That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, Mass Effect in my house. The level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental health. Pokemon world is a world of the demonic. Then there's the argument that video games can be art. They're a world phenomenon. Hello, and welcome to Hit Point Pals, where we gather to nerd out about video games and the culture of play. I'm Travis Lean. With me today, we have Caleb Warwick. Hello. And we have Rebecca Markley. Hello, hello. How is everyone on this fine afternoon? I'm a little bit sleepy. How are you, Travis? I'm a little bit sleepy. <laughs> Can you say that too, Rebecca, to complete the trifecta? I'm also a little bit sleepy. There we go. So last weekend, there were a couple of mass shootings, which is not, you know, a a huge thing anymore, unfortunately. Um, Attackers with assault rifles in two different cities in the United States left 31 people dead, and the president of the United States blamed this on video games. We must stop the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. How did everyone feel about the events of last weekend? I just feel like I just knew that this statement was going to be said. I was just expecting it because it's just like so run-of-the-mill and so scapegoaty. And all the time it's just always, oh, it's video games. Oh, and they never actually want to confront the real issue. I mean, I feel like when I hear about mass shootings, there's no longer like the sort of like the pit of dread that will develop. It's sort of just like, oh, well, I guess it happened again. You know, it's sort of like this resigned kind of like response that I'm sure is just like a a coping mechanism to like deal with the horrific level of violence that, you know, is happening. Decent desensitization basically yeah definitely um as far as like my opinions or like my response to like what the president you know said about video games and just like blaming them i makes me kind of upset that it sort of ignores i mean yeah sure like violence isn't great but i feel like just blaming video games ignores like other I feel like far more impactful sources of violence in our every, you know, day life, you know, have like police violence, um, just sort of like interpersonal violence, like like global violence, like around the world. And I, I feel like not to be like a what about, you know, not to commit like a what aboutism here, but like, I feel like these other sort of forces, police violence, for example, are so much more deadly and destroy so many more families than mass shootings do and you know they're still kind of and you know obviously not at all caused by video games so it, it's just sort of like very like hand wavy and scapegoaty and um when, the, when there's like other problems that i feel like are are much more um obviously co- correlated to sort of the glorification of violence in our society and um, the social forces that kind of like push people to commit mass shootings and sort of like this entitlement, a lot of racial violence and um, I don't know, it's really bad. Yeah, I mean, like there's this sort of been this culture, I guess, for the past like couple of decades, um, feels like since the a Columbine uh, massacre in which people try to point to video games as the source of these problems and high-ranking gov- government officials um, using video games as like a scapegoat to kind of distract from the fact that they are r- working to really like defend the gun industry, I guess, is is the way I've kind of always seen it. I think it's really interesting because it's always, it's not only just video games, it's always been like, you know, uh, different forms of media, different forms like movies, violent movies, um, music, especially even recently music, because like, apparently one of the shooters was wearing this specific metal band's t-shirt, and now they want to blame that metal band for something they literally had no um, control over, plus on top of that, um, video games, and I'm just gonna say right now, like, music's always been blamed for everything before we had like movies and stuff like that then it started to get blamed on movies then it started to get blamed on video games 
But one thing that we know is the video games, the music isn't the problem. So it's yeah, just always there's, a there's kind of been this concept about how video games are interactive. And so like there's been this like attempt to theorize a connection between like using a uh, a weapon or a gun in like a first person shooter and then like like something about the first person perspective of, of a shooter kind of translating and correlating to like someone being more willing to do that sort of thing in real life because they had done it in a video game mm-hmm. and like i i think there's like a discussion to be had about that sort of thing but like i i think the more important thing is that there's a there's a clear like not cause but enablement of these mass shootings and that is like the inability of our government to restrict automatic weapons from being sold Mm -hmm. um like you can punch a guy in mortal Kombat, and that's extremely violent you can you can can um, also rip his fucking skull and spine out of his body in one movement (laughs) right you can you can mow down civilians with an assault rifle in in gta and you can nuke people in defcon and only one of those things is like something that the government freely enables us to go out and and purchase i can't go out and buy a nuke but i can go to walmart and i can buy an assault rifle and i feel like there's a problem there um the i i guess one thing that was striking to me is that it it was said that the like the el paso shooter was able to go into this walmart and and kill a number of people before police were able to respond and i think that's kind of this sort of statistical thing that we can't really ignore if we're going to be serious about preventing mass murder. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, people will use the Second Amendment, but like, the Second Amendment is an antiquated document and didn't exist when there were weapons that could kill that many people in six minutes. Yeah, and I feel like when there's like other sort of ways that you can... Um kill like masses amounts of people like it's so much like it requires like so much more work and planning i'm just like thinking because i like live in oregon of just like the um the rajneeshis just sort of like bioterrorist attack where they tried to like poison a whole bunch of people in the dowels at like Mm -hmm. salad bars and like that just required so much like effort to like you know get everyone to get food poisoning right and had like so many more steps and so many more like you know, they still, like, did it, but, like, because it was, like, so much harder, like, it didn't, wasn't as successful, and so, I guess, because, like, guns, you know, you, like, automatic rifles, you can just, like, unload so much at once that, like, it's so much quicker and easier, and that's, you know, really alarming and scary. Um, yeah, I was looking for, like, some more perspective on the sort of, just, the Like, it feels like a discussion that doesn't necessarily, like, feel worth talking about anymore in a lot of circles, especially, like, video game-oriented circles. And there was a piece on uh, Kotaku last week titled, We Do Not Need to Defend Video Games from Politicians, which just kind of, like, like, that's a stance, I guess. But also, I feel like that sort of, like, I don't feel like video games are completely free of sin. Like, I feel like like a lot of other media there are cultural problems in video games that it's not healthy to just ignore like we kind of talked about on star wars rewatch last week like the 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 way that those movies have really objectified women and the way that that sort of stuff seeps into society just because of how prevalent star wars is mm-hmm. i also came across a piece on time I will link all these pieces in show notes. A time piece called Video Games Don't Cause Mass Shootings, but the conversation shouldn't end there. And in this piece, the writer, he talks about violence, violence in video games as a reflection of our violent society rather than the cause of violence in society. And I think there's a lot of truth there about just kind of like uh, this sort of cyclical nature where the government does allow these assault weapons to be freely sold. Um and the way that they are portrayed in video games. Like, I, I, I feel like, like, I'm not saying video games are the cause of these mass shootings, but I think that, like, they do present ideas about violence that might necess- not necessarily have been there before. Um, but I do still think it all comes back to, like, you know, these things shouldn't be out there in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Any thoughts on those? I definitely yeah. like the sort of centering that like video games kind of like rose out of a sort of like a violent culture. Um, because like those are definitely sort of like co-created. Like the media we consume is definitely a product of the media where it was formed and like they sort of like go in tandem together. Um, not necessarily making things worse or not, but like those are definitely like linked. And so I think you can't just like blame video games by themselves is like you have to look at like where and why and how this violence is sort of um is, is sort of being like reinforced and normalized and um i guess in some ways kind of glorified too that was another thing i wanted to mention like i wrote here about in our notes that we we have this culture whenever there's a shooting about like the media will always talk about cause and and motives um mm -hmm. and we have we'll get these articles like here are the here are five things we know about you know x shooter or whatever um i think that like i think some of that like on a certain level i think that's important to talk about especially when people are being radicalized by like racism and hatred and all that sort of stuff but I, I still think it comes down to like ignoring this this root problem, which is the enablement of gun violence, mm -hmm. which is like, yeah, like like you can have violence in video games. And yes, people might get ideas from that, but there shouldn't be an outlet for them to go out and easily, you know, do that sort of stuff. Definitely. Just like there's no there's no easy outlet for someone to like jump in a tank and drive down mm -hmm. the street blowing stuff up. That, like there shouldn't be an easy outlet for someone to get their hands on an assault rifle and do something similarly destructive. Both of those yeah. are things you can do in video games, but I feel like only one is one that like the government directly supports happening. Definitely. And one thing with video games too is that like you're I know there's like single player shooters and stuff like that, but a majority of the popular shooters are multiplayer shooters, so it's more of just like a social environment. So um, when you're like playing the game, you're playing with other people also obviously playing the game. Um, it's a competitive environment. So a lot of the people playing aren't necessarily seeing it as this like violent um, you know situation, obviously using guns and killing other people, but it's just like it's a competitive sport in a sense too. So it's just like you're you're fighting um, to win and you're fighting to, you know, um, just come out on top, just be, like esports and all this stuff so it's just more seen as like essentially a sport and a competition amongst other social peers and not necessarily a sprout of violence if anything it's like funneling your violence urges your anger and stuff like that into um an area and having an outlet too as well so it's not just like you're playing this game and you're like oh i need to do this in real life you know so they always neglect the like social aspect of it. You're actually interacting with other people and, you know, having a good time. Um, it's not just like, you know, <laughs> how people that don't play video games see it, where you just kill a bunch of people. And like I said, just want to do that in real life. So just want to throw that social input out as well. And I'm really glad that we're kind of slowly moving away from the, the lone wolf narrative. <laughs> with um i guess like white white passing men committing you know mass shooting like mass i guess yeah mass shootings um because i feel like that sort of doesn't actually like articulate again like what are the cultural forces like at play and um i definitely like when we do think of like ways to like mitigate gun violence. I'm sure like absolutely like we need to not have these guns that can kill so many people in like one go, like before police can even like respond. But we also like need to like recognize that like do we do police even need to be armed? Do um like how has like gun control like historically been used to enforce segregation and racism? Like, who gets the guns? Like, that kind of thing. Like, I guess the ways in which that, like, people feel entitled to um, perform these violent acts. Like, like what, what sort of, like, forces are, have gotten them to the point where they're so radicalized that, like, they think that, like, you know, like, going out and, like, killing people is somehow going to 
you know, further along a cause or um, retaliate against something else, right? Like, it, it, it all has to, like, happen as like a as as like a as like one large force and not just like nitpicking like specific things. Yeah, I think there's a there's a very specific conversation to be had about um like twitch reflexes and headshots and the way that we perceive that sort of violence and I didn't want to lump in that conversation with this one cuz I feel like it's its own like very important thing and I I feel like it's it's separate from the conversation but like does video game violence cause real life violence um i have that on the schedule for next week um just as a heads up and it's it's kind of about uh, a piece by uh amanda phillips titled shooting to kill headshots twitch reflexes and the Mecropolitics of video games and there's a uh there's a video that we're going to be taking a look at uh when we have that discussion so that is what we have to look forward to um I think what we're going to do now, though, is take a quick break, unless anyone has anything else they want to wrap this up on. But um, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the ways that video games have had positive impacts on our lives. Yay! Fun! All right, we're back. So... I wanted to take some time in the second half of this podcast to talk about ways that video games have had a positive impact on us, just to kind of stir the conversation in the other direction. Um, Rebecca, you wanted to, to, to lead us off? Yeah. Um, so I feel like video games are, are, are definitely like what I use for like escapism and just like how to check out of the real world to like go and, you know, make myself feel better, like, relax, um, have, like, a, you know, a nice evening where I don't have to worry about too many things, um, and so, like, I remember, like, in college, that was definitely a thing that I would do, was, like, after, you know, like, studying for the evening, I would, like, go over to, like, my friend's dorm room, and they, like, there was, like, three of them all living in, like, this teeny tiny dorm room, and they would have their friend, like, Lucas come over, too, and then, like, I would also come over, so there were just five of us like packed into this like tiny ass dorm room and we would all be playing different video games um there's they were playing like a lot of like dota or league and i would you know be playing civ usually and we would all just like be chatting and like talking about you know what was going on in our lives while we were also you know just like playing our own video games like not even like in multiplayer just like by ourselves and like kind of like our own little like microcosm um and i just enjoyed that so much because you know you got like social interaction you also like got to like focus on your own thing it wasn't competitive so you like didn't get like frustrated usually i guess people who were playing like dota and league would get like mad and stuff sometimes but um yeah it was really it was a really great way to i don't know relax and have a good time and um I definitely think that like it positively impacted my life because it was like a way to decompress. It was a way to sort of like bond with my friends and, um, you know, it was really fun. Like I got a lot of pleasure from it. And I, I think that's definitely like also important to remember that games are fun sometimes, I guess. <laughs> no, not all the time though. Yeah, not all the time, but I think that's like definitely <laughs> important part of games. Would you say like uh, a big influence or a big, um, just like part of gaming would be like the social aspect when you can't like, or were you more of like a single player escapist person? I guess I like single player escapist, but I also yeah. like doing that with other people. So like kind of like both best of both worlds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was thinking like. Um, you could you could put the the single player people in the same lines of like you know you know reading books and you know watching movies and stuff like that. It's kind of weird how video games do that because like you could have it's like the one medium where like you're playing something that's a piece of media, but you could also play with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just I don't know, it's just cool to me. But yeah, definitely. I guess I could. Um, do you have anything else to say, Rebecca? 
No, I guess I kind of want to hear. I mean, I have other stories, but I'd like to hear what you all have to say, too. I've delved into so many different types of, you know, cool stories. And I've just like completely avoided doing my homework and not having to stress about school while diving into these games. Um, like one of my first um, RPGs that I played was uh, Fallout 3. I think that came, game came out when I was nine years old. And it was it was a really cool experience to um, get into the gaming um, aspect of my life. Um, through that, my first video game I ever played was Halo Combat Evolved. I played that with my dad, and I grew up on the Xbox, and I played Halo all the time. Um, I even had like small <laughs> when I was in elementary school, like LAN parties um, with my friends and stuff. Um, what was we it like play playing games with your dad? It was alright. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh -huh. <laughs> but um, I eventually figured it out. Um, mostly resorted to me playing you know, my GameCube and um, getting a GameCube and just like starting with single player games and resorting to multiplayer games with LAN parties and then um, from then on going to like different uh, online multiplayer is when that was a cool experience for me to be able to play with my friends when they're not here socialize with them at the school you know have that consistency and um, just having the both like just single player games and multiplayer games be part of my gaming life helped me a lot through high school definitely um, helped me a lot through middle school um, elementary I would just like you know I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what my elementary school is like. It was just like, or my experience, I guess, because like I was just so little, I just don't remember anything. But yeah, video games definitely helped me a lot through just school and stress and, you know, hanging out with my friends when I couldn't and cool, really, really, really cool stories. Um, I just... I wouldn't be Caleb if I didn't have video games, you know? That's 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 all I could say, really. Um, but yeah, I've met a lot of cool people online through them and I've met a lot of been in a lot of cool communities through video games and just like the music and the effort and the passion that goes into all of them and big part of my life, that's for sure. That is for sure. I think the social aspect of gaming has been very helpful to me, especially like having moved very far away and kind mm -hmm. of feeling a bit isolated a lot of the time and just having a way to like connect, just stay in touch with people and do things in games while hanging out. And that's kind of become a, a, a norm for a lot of people where like we see kind of like video games or sort of these new, uh, I don't know what the predecessor would have been like hanging out at a bar or something. I don't know. I think so. I don't know what guys Watching do. sports. Yeah, watching sports. Um, I think one thing that I've observed in recent years that I think is really cool is just like how the like the positive aspect of the esports space and this sort of uh, conversion of video games into like co competitiveness and how there is like this aspect with, with especially with team based esports so this aspect of like com camaraderie and sportsmanship. And this element of bringing, like, people together in huge arenas to all sort of celebrate the same thing. And, like, instead of, like, traditional sports, now it's, now we're seeing video games treated uh, in, in the same way in a lot of ways. I think that's been very interesting to uh, observe and definitely feels like one of the most, like, visible positive aspects of video games. Um, and a while back, uh, Rebecca and I talked about this once but uh i i wrote a little bit a while ago about just an experience i had like at the end of last year where uh i was suddenly unemployed and it felt like like i just i had a lot of anxiety from that and i spent a lot of time in civilization 6 just using it as like something to do while i was waiting for like phone calls and interviews and stuff like that and it was something that really helped me just like deal with kind of this sense of like purposelessness that I was really struggling with. Um, 
Like, I would just stay in bed for, like, more than half the day, and then get up and, like, play a little bit of Civ Six and, like, hope that people would contact me in some way or another, and, like, just having the ability to kind of have something that was consistent in my life during that period of time was, I, I think, something that really helped me get through that, um, just being able to kind of go through the motions of, you know, forming your sieve, going up against the other sieves, and just, it became kind of this, this consistent structural thing, um, that really kept me sane, I think. Yeah, mine was a pretty similar experience where I just started freelancing and I didn't have, like, a regular job, so I was just kind of, like, whenever I was, like, in between projects or just, like, waiting for people to, like, get me back the things that I needed and, like, I'd already sent out, like, a whole bunch of queries that day, I would usually try to, like, get to, like, you know, 20 or 30 queries to, like, companies and, like, proposals sent out and then, like, after that, I would just, like, jump into Civ 6 um, to kind of, like, not have to worry about things and just be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I have my sieve and I'm going to, like, run it real good and we're going to win. And it just, like, made me feel, like, so much less hopeless um, than, like, I was, like, feeling in real life. You know, I could, like, I had, like, purpose. I I knew what I was doing. And I think that that was also something that I really enjoyed was, like, I knew what I was supposed to be doing and like I, I had like strategies set up and they, they worked and like that was really nice and then like in my real life I was just like oh god like throwing things at the wall and hope hoping something sticks and like that's just kind of like pretty frustrating and feels really scary and disempowering um and Civ was like a way for me to um have that sort of structure predictability um and yeah, I really enjoyed that. Not really enjoyed, but I'm really glad it was there, I guess. Caleb, you mentioned that, um, you know, you found like communities online. What sort of communities have you been able to sort of like, I guess, become a part of? And like, how have like your online friendships impacted your, your I guess, less online self? Well... Um, let me, let me, let me think all the way back. So, um, I really started getting into online competitive games in like, I want to say like World at War, Call of Duty World at War, or like Modern Warfare 2. Can't remember. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just like play by myself online and, um, I mean, you know, Xbox 360 online wasn't always, uh, the best. But there was cool people that I met out of it. So, um, the, you know, when I would play good stuff, I'd get messages like, hey, you want to play with us? And then, like, join parties. And then eventually they'll add me as a friend. And then we'd play consistently. And then I'd have my friends um, play consistently with me and meet new people, get put into different Xbox parties and stuff like that. And it would just get grow some consistency within um, my social life. Especially just being this little, like, middle school loner going to a new school, you know. And that was that was a really cool experience, just, like, you know, being able to hang out with friends, even though I was just kind of, like, by myself playing a video game. Um, my parents didn't understand it, but, you know, it was, it was cool. But, um, yeah, so then there was that. Um, then I went to Halo Reach. Um, Halo Reach was, you know, I played a lot of, I played Halo 3. Um, online a little bit, but Halo Reach is when I really got into it. Um, that's when I started like get, being a part of like Halo Reach communities, Halo Reach community events, Halo Reach like um, just cool like new maps and stuff that people were creating on their own and um, being a part of that. That that was cool. That was a cool um, time in my life in gaming. Um, Another, I think the biggest push was when I got my PC in general, because um, I never had a PC my whole life, and then, like, I was never really able to, like, afford that many games or anything like that. Like, I literally bought my Xbox 360 myself when I was in, like, or with myself and my brother when I was in middle school. So, like, I would always just, like, borrow games or my friends would give me games that I would play. Um... 
so those are the kind of the games I would just like have. Fortunately enough, I'd get like one game a year or something when it was like my birthday. So um, that's when you know I got like Halo Reach and stuff. So then when I got my PC and like I started getting money, that's when I started going into communities, finding games that I want. Like uh, the biggest, 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 biggest one, especially within community, was um, Rainbow Six Siege. I brought that up previously in a couple other podcasts, but like um, when that game came out at the end of, or I don't remember what it was, like 2015, um, I started getting super, super into it, and um, I had some buddies that played it on PC as well, and then I wanted to get them to get into it, so they got into it, they started having their buddies get some, and then pretty soon I had an entire like Discord server full of like 50 people who all played Siege all the time. So we would run community events ourselves. We would have new people come in and we actually got to the point where we wanted to create our own like esports type team. Um, and we also competed into the Rainbow Six um, international tournament. And basically first place winner of that tournament would go to, um, I don't remember where it was, but and they'd win a lot of money and it was cool. It was a really cool experience because like I got to play against an actual esports team to compete in that and we um took three rounds off of them. You know, that was that was really cool. We still lost, but I mean like we had the opportunity to win and we actually cut it super close to winning and beating an actual professional team within that. So um yeah, just like the practice and the, the time I've put into that game and how I still occasionally will play it is just like I don't know. It's it's really cool. Um and it's really cool to have that community and the friends I've built in the PC realm from that game and just the various steps I took to get from like starting out in Modern Warfare 2 um when I was super young and just like kind of mindlessly playing that with random people online to like having a structural community right now on the PC in Rainbow Six and like having a community I could interact with and cool friends and stuff so those have definitely impacted my life tremendously and i'm glad i could be a part of communities that like you know not only is it like a competitive community but it's just like a community where a lot of people have the same thing in mind and it's just it's just cool it's fun and i really liked it and i plan on doing that still (laughs) Uh, i think it's i think it's been really cool to watch kind of like new approaches to games evolve over the years and how like like in the very early days of gaming i mean there were like there were platformers there were shooters there were fighting games and like that that sort of stuff that that wasn't necessarily very like narrative focused and i feel like over the past like decade ish we've seen games evolve like walking simulators like dear esther and then like people taking these new like personal approaches to games like there's like that dragon cancer which is just kind of like a kind of like a game like an essay like a personal essay as a game um and not that like games have to be like wholesome to have a positive impact but i think there's this kind of been this there's this more direct connection i feel like in a lot of these new types of like this this genre i guess for lack of a better term i'll just refer to as like wholesome games after that sort of twitter account that kind of collects them um where like yeah it feels like there's a more like literary approach to games where like rather than being necessarily objective focused which is like what video games historically kind of emerged as now we kind Mm -hmm. of get like insights into the lives of like game developers and the the people who are like writing these games and stuff like that um and sandboxes too is a big thing in the gaming where it just kind of puts you in a situation and you got to figure it out for yourself like sure yeah 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 it is it, it really is cool to see like the progression of games from when they started you're you know like i never really think of that well i do think of it just in terms of like you know like whoa look at uh banjo kazooie back in the day compared to like uh, I can't think of a platformer like Ratchet and Clank or um, A Hat in Time now. It's like, I never really think of it in terms of like different genres that are mm-hmm. created. So, yeah. 
you just put a new you just put a new thought into my mind travis you just literally <laughs> just freaking shoved it in my brain dude no but i feel like it, there's probably a few examples uh, but like i feel like back in like the 90s and when games were still kind of working on materializing as like a regular concept that like there there wasn't really a format that was available to like tell personal stories in video games because they had to be yeah. like so abstract um now there's like like i i feel like most of the indie games community is kind of like these like more like overtly positive focused and like personal focused games that give you like insight into people's lives and stuff like there was the um i think it's called sea of solitude is is apparently this like one game developer's like direct take on like depression and mental health um and these games have like had varying degrees of success like i've read some negative things about um about sea of solitude and how it just doesn't really work in a lot of ways um but still like those concepts are out there and they're always emerging and i think it's just been really interesting to see the way that people are able to like like i, I played a game the other day called abzu which is kind of like oh i have that game yeah I, as i started to play it i started to realize it was just kind of like a, a take on journey only instead of like gliding through the sand you're diving through uh an ocean like a very gorgeous beautiful ocean filled with all of these like big fucking fish and all this really cool stuff and it's a it feels kind of like uh, like a like a two-hour trip through a really immersive like art installation like there's there's not really any there is kind of like a little abstract narrative but like it, it's not really objective focused it's not really narrative focused it's just kind of like this mostly abstract experience and i like like i don't know how impactful or like how successful it was really to me but like i think it really said a lot to me about like the the different approaches people can take to games and like that there isn't necessarily a, a like one formula for what a game has to be and that like games are open to interpretation and people can derive any sort of meaning from a game and like it's pretty much valid no matter like what your take on it is i think and mm -hmm. i think that's been one like really positive aspect of uh, uh, just the evolution of games over the years i guess i think it's also been cool to see how like different games focused organizations can like come together and raise money for charities and like spread positive messages oh yeah exactly sort of i didn't come up i didn't have any examples on hand but like i see a lot of that stuff going around in the community and I was thinking well, it helps like to like shine a, good, and stuff. shine a good light on mm -hmm. video games. And like people doing like, um, like H Bomber guys like stream mm -hmm. where he'd like raise money for charity. I think that's pretty cool. Um, charity streams like are it, great, yeah. Like I just think that that's like a fun, a fun way to, um, to like share positivity and to raise mo money for, for charities that you care about and like charities that do good work. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like they're, <laughs> you know they can be sort of like problematic in that like like there's just like existence within our sort of culture of like who gets to like decide who is who who gets this money but whatever i still feel like that it's it's still a good a good thing to do um and i'm happy that like people find the um like i guess like games as like a compelling medium for for um I guess like charity and spreading positive messages and doing sort of social justice. Um. Yeah, I saw a video piece once about this organization that basically they put together these sort of like game systems on wheels that they can wheel around in hospitals to like kids who have to be in hospitals long term, so they can have these like, uh, like these, I guess like portable systems that are designed to like you can play it while you're in a hospital bed or whatever they just have to wheel it in for you and i thought that was very nice and they were trying to raise money for for their organization i don't yeah, remember what it's really called cool. I, I will look it up there was a um i talked about last week a little bit a game um called kind words and since then i've spent uh, quite a bit of time in that game just like uh like part of it is it, it kind of feels like your like like a running an advice column or something sort of but like the goal isn't necessarily to give people advice it's more to just like 
incur give people messages of in encouragement and like let them know that their like struggles are valid and that their concerns are are being heard and stuff um i like one thing i've noticed is that a lot of people writing messages seem to be like uh, people seem to have a lot of the same issues where like they're they're very lonely or they're ha they're struggling with like work or unemployment or healthcare or financial issues and it's just kind of this circle of like you can send messages like venting or asking for support or whatever and you can answer other people's messages and the, the deer will sometimes come through your window um and i've found that to to kind of be a just like a good outlet for me to have these sort of anonymous social interactions with strangers who kind of in like some ways are, are able to validate things that I struggle with. And mm -hmm. then like, I, I think like on a, like a selfish note, it kind of makes me feel good to be able to like send an encouraging message. I don't know what that says about me, but like, I feel it's like just, it's a very interesting medium to have. Helping people makes you feel good. You know, like I think that's just a thing that like, happens you know mm -hmm. like where you get to like help someone out it's like yeah I, I i was able to like help them through this and then that makes also makes me feel good and i don't really think that that's super selfish i think that's just like kind of like how altruism works you know yeah it also I really feels got good that. to like log on and have the deer tell you like how many people sent you <laughs> thanks and stickers because because they can't really respond to you but they can mm -hmm. thank you and they don't have to so, like, I feel like when I do receive a thanks, it's like, oh, okay, well, at least something I said, like, resonated with them, and that makes mm -hmm. me feel pretty good. One big that thing cool. um, growing up playing, like, RPGs and stuff like that, especially Fallout, um, is, like, I, um, it's really hard for me to say mean dialogue to characters. <laughs> like, I don't know, um, when I was, like, when I first played Fallout, um, and I figured out the, the dialogue system and stuff like that. Um, and it gave me the option to be like mean, you know, say mean things and like get something out of it. I always like found myself just like just not being able to do it. And then like helping them out would like I would I'd feel a lot better about it. Um, I don't know. It's just like it's just weird how like it's a video game. It's a character doesn't it's not real. It doesn't mean anything. But like how it still affects me like that it's still to this day like it to this day affects me like that too like when i'm playing the witcher or something i'm saying something mean to somebody or something like like threaten them I'm just like oh fuck okay. yeah i feel ah. like this is this is a whole separate like conversation yeah, about it, design and like narrative design and narrative writing because like i feel like those options are not compelling to me when it's just like an overtly mean decision versus like a, a yeah. good or a neutral decision but i feel like when things are written in a way where i have to make tough choices rather than yes. like like if it looks like like mean versus nice then i feel like that's not compelling but i feel like if i have to like make a, a sacrifice or like make a really hard decision in a game then like that's when like choices become compelling to me but I yeah feel like, like commander shepherd like having the ability to punch a guy in the face for no reason is not a compelling decision to me. No, no, no. Um, I don't mean, like, now, but I just mean, like, growing up playing yeah, it. Like, yeah. I would always, like, have, um, especially with, like, choices and stuff like that, like, tough choices. Um, like, obviously, I know it's, like, it just branched out to a different sort of situation um, in the game now. So it's, you know, I try this once. Okay, I'll go back, play it again, try it again, see what happens kind of thing. But... Um, it's just interesting because like how it affected me in like um growing up and playing these RPGs and stuff, but yeah. That's true though. <laughs> but yeah, we should bring this podcast to a close. Um okay. unless anyone else has anything that they want to add before we wrap up here. I don't think so. Okay. Rebecca, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me on Twitter at, I guess, at symbol R underscore Markley, which is just my last name. Um, I don't want to spell it because it's long and annoying. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram at zines and things. Um, yeah. Caleb, where can people find you if they want to learn about Rainbow Six? 
Um, <laughs> you can follow me at Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Warwick underscore 41. Ah, oh, shoot, no, it's Warwick underscore 51. <laughs> I, have, I have 41 on my... Not gonna say it. Um, <laughs> it's my MySpace account. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Caleb Warwick or um, Yeti, Yeti the Meme. I have so many freaking social medias. But, yeah. If you guys want to talk to me or something, uh, don't. I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, that's where yeah. you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at Adobo Time. Um, you can find Hit Point Pals on the web at hitpointpals.com. Also, I just remembered, I put a new link on hitpointpals.com called Connect, where if you visit that page, um, you can send us a voice message that we will listen to and possibly play back on the show if it's compelling. Um, just wanted to throw that out there, I guess, for anyone interested. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week on Hit Point Pals. We will see you all next time. Also, I found this cool app that like lets you search up like specific brands and like who they um, fund politically. Oh yeah! So I thought that was kind of cool. It's called Goods Unite Us, and That's like, cool. yeah, I know that I mean, like some people who do cycle with Soul Cycle are like very upset about this. Oh yeah! About, like, and I I, I feel like. It, I don't know, maybe because, like, I'm just, like, skeptical that, like, they're all, like, all the brands are just, like, in, you know, Republicans' pockets, but... Well, well, one thing I, that I've noticed, too, is it's weird because, like, a lot of gyms are, like, like fun Republican parties. Like, I'm mm -hmm. looking at Gold's Gym right now. It says they're 2% Democrat, 98% Republican for donation distrib distribution, and they do it based off of who they donate to. So, yeah. like... um. They've donated to Todd Young, Rob Portman, Marco Rubio, Dean Heller, and those are like their top like funders. That's just so weird because I've seen a lot of like fitness oriented stuff funding like the Republican uh, senators and stuff like that. It's really mm -hmm. weird. I'm sure it's just because of like tax cuts because they're corporations oh, like yeah. they don't want to ever have to pay taxes. Um, and, and another weird thing is I was looking at Amazon's and I was actually kind of surprised. Because they literally fund, um, they funded all Democratic, basically. Well, they do have like 33% Republican donation, 67% Democrat. But I was actually really surprised that they donated to Bernie. That's really weird to me. Like Amazon of all people. It was like, or of all people. Corporations. <laughs> yeah. Their corporations aren't people. Um... It's also super important to, like, see, like, who they are donating to as far as, like, Democrats go, because, like, some Democrats are, like, super centrist and, like, you know, they're oh, essentially yeah. just, like, everywhere else in the world they would have been conservatives, but just because, like, our politics are just so skewed to the right that, um... Yeah, exactly. They can call it's themselves like... Democrats to get, like, the, the online, the online goodie points. It's um, weird, because, like, I'm looking at McDonald's and, like, See, they they mostly support Republicans, but yeah, it was like Hillary Clinton is their most the second most recent donation, but then they they help they're helping with Donald Trump's campaign too, so it's like, oh. Yikes. Taco Bell also the same thing. Taco Bell is 86% Republican, which is very interesting. I did not know that. So, I've been using that a lot and Kind of cool. Helps me. Helps Vote me with save your dollars. Money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is this called? it's called Goods Unite Us. It's just an app. It's really wow. cool. 
I like it. And, you, and if you don't see a specific um, company, you mm -hmm. um, you could ask if they could do some research on it. And they're like, yeah, just send us a company. I wonder what Goods United supports. Yeah. <laughs> goods Unite Us. Oh, they do have it. Let's see. Oh, they don't donate to anybody. Hmm. Oh, yeah, and it also shows what companies, like, don't donate to anybody. I imagine if you're running a non-profit sort of website, which is what, I'm not sure if that's what this is, if that's sort of what it seems like. I imagine you wouldn't mm. have money to donate to people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I like, I like seeing, like, which companies don't donate anything to anybody. Or, like, specifically donate to specific people. So, that's good to have that. Like, H&M, let me see. H&M. Because I like H&M a lot. I don't know about you guys. I mean, but, I just feel like the a fast fashion. Is that like, fishing poles? Um, wait, they have, like, what? H&M? <laughs> oh, yeah, H&M sells, like, really nice clothes for super, super cheap. Ah. I guess I'm just skeptical that they're all made by like child slaves in China. So, oh yeah, not to. I think I was thinking of ranch and home. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's where I buy all my clothes, Travis. You know that. <laughs> all your clothes, you just buy like Carhartt, like <laughs> just fucking cowboy boots. <laughs> Dude, I wish I could afford cowboy boots. Those things are expensive. I would love to like walk around, hear my like heels clicking, like. My my spurs like this town ain't big enough for her <laughs> as I ride my horse into Walmart. <laughs> I feel like all, most of my shoes are hard soles, so they like definitely like clack all the time, and it's so <laughs> annoying. Come on, internet! Internet I machine. I have a flamingo on Instagram, and I thought it was a chicken tender at first. <laughs> I want a chicken tender. Oh, you know how we talked about chicken fries at the end of Star Wars? Yeah. Or during Star Wars? Yeah. Cam and I ended up getting chicken fries. Oh, good. They were good. I want chicken fries. Yeah, everything else was bad, but the chicken fries were good. Maybe oh, I'll go yeah. get some more chicken fries. At Burger <laughs> King? Time. Yeah, Burger King. Okay. Yeah, we, good were talking, thing we were talking about things from like 2004, and one of them was the advent of chicken fries. Okay, uh, I'm gonna look up Burger King Goods Unite. Let's see. <laughs> it's probably it's probably bad. It's probably like McDonald's. Oh no, it's not actually. It says, Who do they donate to? Maybe I'll, I'll switch loyalties and be a Burger well, King. Well, <laughs> they, they donate to Jeb Bush. Oh, <laughs> please no, clap! Please clap. Oh. <laughs> Jeb is a mess. <laughs> 